Hi, my name's Rosie Piercy and welcome to the Therapist Marketing Podcast. I'm a chiropractor and clinic director and I'm here today to talk to you about marketing and in particular blogs. Now, for those of you who know anything about marketing, you'll know that blogging and blogs is a massive topic and we could probably talk for hours um, on the subject. But today I want to focus on the start of blogging and that is, is it worth it? As a therapist, is it worth spending your time, energy, and enthusiasm on blogs? Well, I would say yes, almost definitely, certainly yes. However, I can see that it's a hard thing to do. If you're um, anything like myself, then you'll be treating patients, running a clinic, you might have a family or other responsibilities, and you have, so there's lots of things to do. So to write a blog, you're probably going to have to block time at a clinic, which is something that usually makes most of us therapists turn a little cold, you know, blocking time out of clinic, where you won't see patients to write a blog may seem like you're throwing money down the drain because you could be seeing patients in that time but with marketing you have to spend time doing it so either you have decided that you want to blog and you're going to pay someone else to do it which again is money or that you're going to do it and you're just going to set some time aside speak properly Rosie set some time aside every week every month however often you're going to blog to blog so why is it worth it? Why do I think you should spend some time doing this and putting yourself out there? Because there is part of that as well, I find, um, is that sometimes we can be very cautious about being visible, that we're quite happy being in our practices, working and our clinics, doing our thing. But to put our opinions and our treatment and our therapy out there online, where anyone can read and anyone can opinion and have an opinion and comment can sometimes be a little scary. And so I completely appreciate that because I feel that myself as well sometimes. But I guess my way around that is to think that in reality, to start with, not many people are going to see what you do because it takes time to build an audience, to build that consistency, um, to build a following. So the people who are going to most likely see whatever you write will be on looking for you. So they'll find you on your page or they'll be searching for you. So it's unlikely that really what you're going to say is going to be shot down in flames. Although I know for some people that can be a fear and it's a real fear and it's allowed. But I think maybe just to get over it, to acknowledge that fear and then do it anyway. That's that, that block, book, isn't it? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Anyway, so back to why you should be doing vlogging now that we've decided that we're going to be brave. We're going to just do it and we're going to be consistent and we're going to spend the time to do this. Find some time when you can do it, either at home or block some time out of clinic. Just decide that you're going to do it, try it, see that it works for you. So why should you do it? Well, it's an opportunity to reach out and be in touch with your potential patients. So it's kind of like a, a bigger version of word of mouth in a way, or a slightly different version of it. Obviously, it's not someone saying how wonderful you are, but it's a chance of you putting your opinion on what treatment or therapy that you offer out to the outside world. And yes, there may be many blogs on anxiety or back pain or foot problems or whatever it is that you do, but none of them will be written by you with your take on it. And you may find this already, you tend to attract a certain type of person to your clinic or people would like to go to you when they like, might not like to go to someone else. So your vibe, your spin on whatever you're going to say is really useful. And it will make people want to come and see you. And you can build a relationship with people. So if, if you're putting a blog out regularly, 
say weekly or monthly, then people know learn to expect that you're going to put something out about something that interests them. So if you do that regularly, and I talk a bit this about why in my blog why um, marketing is vital to your therapy business, it gets you what's called no like and trust. So if they see your blogs, they like them. They like to get to know you and like you. And then if you do it consistently, they get to trust you. So when they decide that they want to have some treatment, then they're going to choose you over someone they've never met, never heard of, never never, never had any contact or relationship with. It also gives you a chance to build your brand image and your brand identity. Again, we've talked about this on the podcast. I think it was the last podcast that we talked about this on. Is that part of your of your image and what will make people come to you is how you are perceived in the outside world. So when you're doing a, a blog, you can, how you write that, the tone of voice that you use, the pictures that you use in it, the videos that you use in it, will convey how you are to potential patients. And they'll either like it or they won't. And if they like it, they're more likely to come to you. And if they won't, then they don't. And that's okay because maybe they're not the right patient for you, but they will be for someone else. So it helps the people who are more likely to want to come and see you, want to come and see you more. And that works. You know, in therapy, you have to have that kind of therapeutic relationship with your patient that they think you're going to help them and you're happy to help them and you know that you can. And if anything, and that starts to fall apart, then it doesn't work as well. So a blog is one way of starting to build that relationship with a patient before they even walk through the doors of your clinic. So that's a really useful part of it is the communication with a patient. Also, it can add add some reassurance to a patient. If you say, I don't know, say you're a talking therapist and you deal with really people really dreadful anxiety or perhaps you're dealing with couples and and really intimate relationship problems or really or on the other end of the scale if someone's got a really icky yucky foot toenail thing and they think they're a complete freak for having this if you write a blog on it it's going to reassure them that if you've spent the time to write a blog on it that they're not the only person who's got this foot problem they're not the only person to have chronic anxiety they're not the only person to have problems with their partner in a relationship and so it'll make them feel a bit better that there is hope that they can be helped And if you can offer people hope in therapy, you know, realistic, sensible hope in therapy, then that will help them want to come to you as well. Because you're saying, yes, you've got this, but I can help you and it's okay to have this and it's okay. And I think a lot of, I mean, you'll know yourself when you see patients, a lot of what they come in with, which to us might look like a fairly easy problem to sort. We've seen it 10 times today already. For them, it's a big deal. So if you can make them feel a bit better a bit more normal but more that this can be helped it will definitely help them feel better and want them to make them want to come and see you more the other thing about blogs and we're just going to touch on this there'll be more from me on on keywords and seo in the coming weeks but if you if you want to be found on Google, then blogging is a brilliant way of doing it. Obviously, your website, you have your website and the aim of social media marketing and podcasts and anything else that you're doing in blogging is to get people to your website when you can then hopefully get them to book appointment with you. That's where you can really sell yourself, say how amazing you are, have everything you want on there. Okay. So one of the ways that people find you these days, as you will know, is Google. And how they find you is they put something into the internet called keywords and then hopefully your blog pops up. So blogs are a way of getting people to to find you on Google. And, and that might be obvious. You might be, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. But I'm just kind of making that point so that when you're saying, why is it worth blogging? Well, because it helps people find you on Google. 
And if you're in an area with a lot of competition for therapies, either the same therapy or a different therapy for the same treatment, and by that I mean I'm a chiropractor, so if you've got back pain, you could come and see me. And obviously there's different chiropractic clinics in the area that I work. But equally, you could see an osteopath, a physio, a massage therapist, a sports therapist, an acupuncturist, a reflexologist. You know, I'm sure I've missed people out and you could go on and on. There's lots of people, there's lots of competition for back pain. So if you just had your, what I would call your service page, so your page on your website is called back pain. If you'd have that just saying back pain, well, back pain and say where you are, Newbury, that's going to be a super competitive keyword. However, and by that I mean lots of people are going to be trying to get people on that. If you write a blog about and I'm using golf at the moment as an example, Um, back pain after golf or can't go to golf because my back hurts or something, you write a blog where you're, you're using back pain and golf in it some way, then then that is going to stand out and be more, speak more to that person than just a page on your website about back pain. Does that make sense? So we're going to keywords more, but basically your blog is what you target your long tail keywords, which is a longer keyword so um, back pain after golf rather than just back pain so that's the the idea of it so now we've decided we're going to do a blog um, and we're going to write it it's going to be amazing what do we do to make it really amazing well first of all there is a tendency among therapists clinicians practitioners to write as if we were writing for a journal um, using technical language, long sentences. We don't want any of that. You know yourself, if you're looking on the internet, you're probably on your phone, and you're, if you're looking for something that you know nothing about, so let's say you're looking for guttering, because I know nothing about guttering, then you don't want to read a really long technical spec article about guttering, because it's hard, more hard work to read that on your mobile, and it's just not interesting. You want a really, really basic blog on guttering, some really in, you know, really easy information to make it easy for you to understand. Then you can start looking into more of you. So, um, again, we'll go with guttering. If, you, if I'm looking at someone's <clears throat> blog they've written on guttering, and it's really basic, and it tells me there's different types, then I can go, and then maybe they've written another blog about type A guttering or type B guttering. Then I can start investigating it more, and I learn more, and then I can, I can go into it better. So the same way if you're writing about back pain and golf, you might write in really easy to read, shorter sentences, very simple, not dumbing it down, but just let's not make it complicated when it doesn't need to be. You can write that. If you then want to write a follow-up article or follow-up blog on the intricacies of golf swing and core exercise, then put a link to that blog in there. And if someone's enjoyed your golf, your easy to read simple basic blog on golf then they'll go and read your more complex one but if you give them the complex stuff without the easier stuff it can just be like oh this is too much like hard work I can't be bothered and and remember you're not just uh, um, competing with all the other people who who treat back pain you're competing with the environment the person is in when they're reading the blog. So if they're at home with their kids and they know they've got to do the shopping and do the cooking and, oh, yeah, and there's the recycling and I've got this stuff to do. Oh, just read this blog on black pain. If it's difficult, they're going to give it up because they've got 101 things to do. If it's easy, then they'll read it and then come back if they've got to do more things. So think about when you're reading a blog about something that you maybe don't know much about, how do you want to read it? That's what I would think in mind. Um, saying that, you don't want to make it too short. So the absolute minimum for a blog is 300 words. 
But I would say go for a thousand, maybe up to two thousand. Most of my blogs are at least a thousand words. Um, and I'm what I'm starting to do is now combine my blogs. So anything that's short, I'm putting them together to make longer because um, what we can see from research that people do on blogs and people do research on blogs, um, that longer blogs perform better on Google. So we're tending to write longer ones. And then you want to make it easy, as I said, easy to read, not only in language, but break it up with bullet points. You can bold some of the text um, and you can have videos and GIFs and all sorts in it just to make it more interesting. It also means that people spend longer reading it, which is what they call dwell time. And that's another signal to Google that you're good at what you're doing and what you're writing is interesting and useful for people. Because if you say you've got a brilliant blog about back pain and someone looks at it and then jumps straight off it, then that tells Google that wasn't very good. And so it's going to mark you down a bit. But if someone clicks onto your blog about um, back pain and spends a couple of minutes reading it, then that tells Google that that's good information and they're going to rank you higher. So make it easy to read and interesting and exciting. Um, we also want to make sure that you have um, backlinks, or so links out, outward links or backlinks, they can be called to, to places other than yourself. So in my blog, I've written about blogging, this blog I'm talking about now. I've got, uh, I'm talking about, I talk about Yoast in it, which is a plugin. Um, and I've got a link out to that. And then I think I have a link out to Google Analytics as well. Um, and that just makes the web flow better because the whole point of the internet is you flow from one thing to the other. So having outlinks helps. And then you also want to have links into your own website. So I have um, links to blogs I've written, to podcasts I have. So it's, it's a way of linking everything together so it all flows. So all those things make a good blog that's, um, that's easy to read. But I will be honest with you, there is a downside to blogging. As I kind of said at the beginning of this podcast, it takes time and it's hard to decide to do it. But I really would like make yourself accountable, commit yourself to it, that for the next month or two months, you're going to write, particularly if you've got no blogs, if you're starting from scratch or you've got two that you wrote a few years ago, which now you look back and go, oh dear, I don't like them. Go, right, I'm going to write a blog a week or a blog every fortnight or a blog a month for the next six months and see what happens. Um, so decide to do it and do it, essentially. But there's three tips I have to make this easier. One is know what you're going to write about. So have a strategy. And I have a blog on this about creating an easy marketing strategy, which I'll put in the show notes. Um, so that you don't, the worst thing to do is sit there and go, right, it's, I don't know, what's the, it's Wednesday, it's 8.30 in the morning, and I've got an hour to write a blog. And then like the tumbleweed goes past. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what I'm going to write it on. So sit down before then and make a plan of what you're going to do, what you're going to blog on, what's your topic of the week or topic of the month, how are you going to do it? Okay, that will help you. And then when you start, when that tumbleweed, even if you know that you're going to write about back pain and golf, for instance, the tumbleweed is just flowing fast. You've got no idea what to write. Just write anything. Doesn't matter. Just start. You might come back and, you know, you remember what it's like when you were at university and you were having to write some sort of essay on something. You just had to start. We'll do it. Obviously, it's not going to go out live. You're not going to publish it. So just start. Um, one thing that I find diff I found helping is voice recording blogs. So often what I do, if I've got a blog that I'm going to think about, 
then say I know I'm going to sit down and write it on a Wednesday. Then on the Monday, I might read through the title or the topic that I've decided to write about. And then I just put it in my brain, if you like, and just think about it every so often. Then I'll start, that will create things, me working out what I want to include in the blog. And maybe um, sentences will start to form a little bit. And often I voice record it. So you can, if you have something like Google Docs, and I'm sure Apple will have a thing, um, you can voice record into Google Docs. Now, it's not perfect. You will have some very strange phrases coming up if it hasn't picked up your voice properly. But I found that I've often done that with blogs that I've struggled with, particularly on my Total Cairo site, when I know I've got to write a blog. I wrote a whole series of blogs, gosh, that'd be last summer now, on summer injuries. So why you should, how to wear a good bikini, how not to hurt yourself on a sun lounger, that kind of stuff. Um, and I just, for some reason, found it really hard to to get motivated to do it so what I did is I one day when my kids were playing in the park um as I was sitting there watching them I got my phone out and I voice recorded four blogs in 15 minutes now obviously I then had to go back in and and retype them and change the words and make them look nice and then pr- then go back again and change it but it got me started and often the starting is a difficult thing and the, often that voice recording is quite quick you can do quite a lot of words or get quite a good outline in not very much time and if you are busy and you're running around all over the shop sometimes it's much easier to sit in your clinic and quickly voice record a blog um, or some ideas for it or if you're out with your kids or, you know, when you've got those little five minutes where you've got to sit in the car and wait for something, do it then. And then when you've got do it before your, your writing blog time that you've set aside to so do, it, for instance, before your Wednesday 8.30 slot. And then when you got to your 8.30 slot, you've got your starting point and your creative juices will be flowing and it's much easier. Finally, get someone else to proofread it. Um, it's easy to miss things. <clears throat> I tend to get um, someone to proofread it and then usually um, my clinic manager will then go through and read it again and we will, and, and you know, correct it. And it's am- it always amazes me how I'll write a blog and I know that two or three of us have proofread it and I look back at it six months later and there's still a spelling mistake. And I'm like, how did that get through? And I'm now cringing that my blogs will have spelling mistakes that everyone will point out to me. But it happens. But just try and get them out get them out most of it well get most of the spelling mistakes out and grammar out as you can because it's important that it looks like you can write and read you know write things properly because that's what your patients will expect of you and you know it's like if you see a spelling mistake you go oh dear don't like that now so worrying about the spelling mistakes in my blog anyway now that you've done this and you've got your blog let's use it you've taken time out of clinic to do this you've thought about it You've made this amazing blog with, which is a thousand words long, which has been beautifully formatted and you've got bullet points and videos and GIFs and pictures and it's, oh, it's perfect. Well, let's make it work. So what I do not want you to do, obviously you stick it on your website, is stick it on your website and leave it there because that's like a waste of your time. So put it on your website. Then make sure you put it out on your social media. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. If you do Twitter, Twitter. If you're doing anything else, stick it on there. Now, ideally, you'll have some sort of headers and then text. So you'll have, I don't know, um, free ways to improve your, to stop back pain before you play golf. And then your free ways. So you can put that out, that just that tiny, tiny part of your blog out as a post on social media. 
Um, and so therefore that blog that you've written to last you a month can power your social media for that month. Um, you may want to do a video. I tend to do live videos because it's easier on the editing. Um, and then once you've recorded that video of you talking about things in your blog, put it in your blog. Um, and then put that video across social media. Um, if you've got relationships with people in the press or you want to get into the press, then start sending them your blogs. So what I'm trying to say is there's tons of things that you can do with your blog. So don't just post it out on your website and leave it because it's taking you time to, to, to write it. So let's make most, most use of it that we can. And also, if you try and make your blogs what I call evergreen, so not too... Um, uh, not too focused on things that are only useful for this week or this month so that they can be you can write a blog on golf pain golf pain on back pain and golf and yes every year you might want to read for it and update it and change things if the evidence has changed or you've got a new thought on it but essentially that blog can stay there for years um getting people to your website yeah excellent Finally, track how well it's going. So you can do that through Google Analytics. Um, so you can see that people have read your blog and see how long they spent on it. And that's fun. I like that. Uh, maybe I'm strange, but I like that. Um, so hopefully now you know that blogging is worthwhile and the tips and, and things that I've taught you about will will have helped. Um, how do you decide to give it a go? Um, I'll put the links to the blogs that I've mentioned in the show notes. And before I go, I just want to mention my three-step guide to attracting patients to your clinic. There is some more bits on blogging about on in there and about writing well-intentioned blogs for for your patients. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. It's a free, 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 free day course. So um, yeah, give it a go. Excellent. Well, I hope you found that helpful. My name is Rosie Piercy. Goodbye.